that particular movement of your hands. So the harder and more uh, the work that's done and the more absorbed you become in an activity, you're less likely to experience pain. You also, I think, discovered that there's something about the brain's reward system that winds up making people feel good when they've produced something. Is that part of this also? That's right. If if you um, engage in a task that's a little bit of effort and, and you're successful at it, the reward system in your brain fires off with a boost of feel-good, pain-relieving, motivating chemicals. And there is a theory, actually, that depression may be linked to um, the reward system going into decline because there are, there are quite a few people in the world who ex- don't experience success in anything they do in their lives. It's funny, you haven't talked about the main reason I'm drawn to knitting personally. For me, it's about texture and color. It's very sensory. I think maybe because I spend most of my day working in front of a computer, you know, in two dimensions and not really touching much. Absolutely. Um, and actually our survey, we did a survey of over three and a half thousand knitters from 31 countries. And one of our findings was that uh, texture was twice as significant as color for affecting mood and that the tactile experience elicits an emotional response. So touching something good makes you feel good. Has it been hard to get scientists interested in studying knitting? I would imagine they might you know, sort of see it just as an armchair hobby not, not worth studying. The K word was the biggest barrier to this work at the beginning. So the K word? The K word. <laughs> so much so that I actually had to change the word knitting. I had to use a different word. So I started calling knitting a bilateral rhythmic psychosocial intervention. And uh, that sort of changed their perspective on it because then they would say, well, that's very interesting. How are you doing that then? So I'd say, well, we're using knitting. (laughs) (laughs) So for people who already knit but want to take it deeper or experience it therapeutically, do you have suggestions? So there are lots of different things you can do when you've identified what, you, what you'd like to use it for. You can use it to manage sleep, low mood, post-traumatic stress, chronic pain, addiction. And you can go into different mindsets according to the projects that you choose. You can have a fairly simple project which will let you go into um, a mindset that's more like daydreaming. Or you can have a more complicated project that will increase distraction. So if you've got a particular problem that's really, you know, distressing you, or if you've got issues such as chronic pain, for example, then you can divert the brain's attention more towards something that's um, more complicated that you have to count with. Better living through knitting. Yes, exactly. Betson Corkill is the founder of Stitch Links, and she's the author of Knit for Health and Wellness. The knitting pins go click, click, click. Stitch is dropping quick, quick, quick. Catch your stitch, don't let it run. To pick up stitches is no fun. So it's not just knitters who figured out that there's a connection between hands and mental health. Cartoonist Linda Berry has a whole theory about drawing and the brain. She'll give us a lesson in a bit. But first, take a look at your hands. When was the last time you stopped to just marvel at them? We have hands that can do things like knit, draw, throw pots, build houses. In fact, there's a philosopher, Colin McGinn, who thinks hands are what made us human. He lays out his argument in his book, Prehension. He told Steve Paulson it's a kind of hymn to the hand. 
Colin, you make the case that the hand was a crucial part of human evolution. In fact, it's what separated us from the rest of the animal world. What's so special about our hands? Well, it's not so much that our hand at the origin of human species was special because it was just a descendant of the hands of our primate ancestors who were lemur-like animals. So they weren't so different from the hands of contemporary primates like gibbons. So what needs to be added to it is the fact that we were forced to descend from trees, probably because of uh, climate change, maybe an ice age, and our hands, which were adapted to life in the trees, particularly for swinging and holding on, climbing, those hands then were liberated from their previous uses. And when we were driven down to the ground and became terrestrial, not arboreal, then we had to adapt to the new, our new conditions, which was no easy thing because we were, not, we were not adapted to that lifestyle. The theory of my book is that it was the hands...